Hi, this is Angel Wilson, and welcome to Spark Up. Thank you for joining me in my lovely little corner of the internet on this podcast. We're going to be talking a lot about autism, but not just autism itself. We're going to do a lot of dialogue talking to actual autistic people, getting their perspectives on autism and how it's looked at in society. We're also going to be talking to providers who provide services for autism and how they kind of see and approach autism. And we're also going to be talking to family members and get their viewpoint on what it's like to have a family member with autism. And we're going to have dialogues with all different kinds of people, including those. Some of those dialogues could get a little deep. We might talk about some some touchy subjects like racism and access to resources. But these are all topics that we know need to be talked about. So I hope you'll join me on this journey and I'll talk to you soon. Hello, this is Angel Wilson, and welcome to Spark Up and my little corner of the podcast world. Today, I have a wonderful guest with me. This is my first guest on the podcast. Super excited. One of the major things that I wanted to do with this podcast was highlight not just talk about my own experiences of autism, not just professionals and providers' experiences of autism, not just family members, but also neurodivergent people to have a voice and a say in this community because they are a part of this community. And a lot of times, unfortunately, they're kind of cut out or pushed aside or not heard enough or ignored. So that's one of the major things I wanted to do with this podcast was actually shed light on their stories, their struggles, their successes, and how, you know, get advice from them on how we can better serve the community of neurodivergent people. So I have one of these amazing people that I had the pleasure of getting to know over the last year or so. Um, His name is Ryan, and I am going to let him take it away. Thanks, Angel. It's a pleasure to be on here. So, for those of you that don't know me, my name is Ryan Lundy. I am 36 years old. I live in sunny Palm Beach Gardens. Originally from Lafayette Hill, Pennsylvania, in the suburbs, a half hour outside of Philadelphia. Just moved down here at the end of July, and currently I am working as a teaching assistant at the Learning Center in Jupiter. Also, I am a special needs private coach. What that entails is working with different families, doing providing different services such as teaching their individual life skills, taking them in the community, do what's just called community integration, being a companion. So you name it, I, I can do it. Uh, I really feel compassion for individuals with disabilities because I do have a, what's called a nonverbal learning disability. And that's very, um, misleading because I'm talking to you right now and most people think um, nonverbal is I need a communication device or text that you know the story cards Um, but that's not true because I'm here now and I'm talking 
Yeah. What are the um, some of the differences from autism? Because I know there are some things that are that do sound similar, but are there some things that are like part of autism that are not part of NVLD or vice versa? Well, NVLD doesn't deal with like stimming. Mm-hmm. I feel that NVLD is going to make an impact, and I really in the future um, with the DSM and. It, it will really take off the ground running. Uh, my mom, I credit with finding the NVLD project um, for me, an organization that is based out of New York. And I am proud to be a social ambassador for that. What a social ambassador means, I need to write stories for them. And I have been on some Facebook Lives, so I'm an advocate for them. There are, there are other ambassadors, um, and they are growing too, if the amount of ambassadors are there. And you will find that more people have MVLD than you think. Uh, you just have to look it up. Now, talking about um, NVLD, hey, I got the acronym right, yay. I have such a hard time with acronyms, so I'm like, hey, I said it right. Um, you had mentioned that uh, you... Uh, you and I guess other advocates for it have gotten uh, approval for it to even be like considered by the DSM. And for those who don't know um, out there, the DSM is basically, I kind of call it the holy grail of mental health conditions. The entire medical field pretty much uses that book for diagnosis purposes when it comes to nearly all mental health or neurological related disorders. So to get into the DSM is kind of like an official recognition kind of uh, feeling of like, okay, this is like the medical community saying, yes, this is a condition. And yes, it has guidelines. Yes, it has symptoms. Yes, it has, you know, recommendations for, uh, for treatment. What would it mean to you for, for a nonverbal le- learning disability to get into the DSM? Oh, it would be awesome. It would be in the world to me because I feel it should. There's no reason why it shouldn't. It's just, I don't, I don't know why that people don't think think of it. They think of autism, they think of Asperger's, they think of other disabilities. It's just, I don't understand. Um, it, it, would mean, it would be awesome. So uh, at five years old, I was diagnosed with a developmental delay. After after five years old, my parents thought that there was there was still something. You know, I wasn't getting social cues. I wasn't fitting in. I had a hard time with tying my shoes. So they had sent me to an OT, 
to get occupational therapy. Also had a hard time with motor vision, motor control. So I had received uh, vision therapy um, for a couple years after that, along with the OT. And then after that, finally, that was the early stages of my life. In the early stages, they showed signs of not getting understanding things. After that, we're going to middle school. Still things were not progressing. And now, now we're getting into the heart of it because middle school is, was very tough socially. I was bullied a lot. I was not falling behind academically. So they had told me to finally do, get all these tests with this um, psychologist. They were these boring tests that I was very stressed out about because I, I hated tests. That was the thing about me. I wasn't a good test taker. I hate tests and they weren't easy for me. No matter how much tutoring and stuff I would, I would continue to get through the middle school, it, it still wouldn't click. So then I was fully diagnosed with the nonverbal learning disability. And for those of you that don't know what the nonverbal learning disability is, it is not understanding social cues in social situations and not getting jokes. It's not being able to being a part of a group that you can feel welcome to. So I feel I felt bullied, uh, teased by being teased. I would have to hang out with my parents on the weekends. They were basically my friends, though I did have a couple friends, but I didn't fit into a group. And that was a very hard transition. And that's the time when people fit in from their cliques, the middle school time. You know, you have your jacks, you have your musicians, you have your your geeks, nerds, if you would call them that. Different other groups, too. I didn't feel it in any group. Though I would be nice to every group, I did not fit into any group. So now we're going from there. We're going to when I was diagnosed, the signs. Then we're taking it into high school. High school. Oh, that got even worse. The bullying was terrible. Then I would have, to, I would, I would still struggle with the academics. So then I had um, good parents. They would find, they would help me find. I had a great learning resource teacher. Um, I would be able to take the tests at the, at the resource um, classroom. But it would still feel weird leaving the classroom. I would have to make up an excuse like I was going to the bathroom and I was going to meet with another counselor. It was just, I just was tired of giving the excuses to people. And then I was finally one day, I'm like, you know, I'm just going to tell them where I'm going. So I told them I'm going to the resource room, test. The lady, she helps me. She also joined the study blocks throughout the day. And I would never say why, 
would give the diagnosis. I would just say, I'm going there. I would always spin around why. Because, I don't know, I didn't want to get into that back and forth and have to explain why it was. And half the people would not understand it, even if I did explain it to them. So, the thing about NVLD, though, it is a rare disability. Not a lot of people know about it. Not a lot of people have it. It's becoming more common now. Um, they did just file uh, a couple weeks ago to be part of the DSM. Making an official diagnosis, that's going to take forever, though. But still, they, it's a step. They filed for it. We'll see what happens. So we're going, still in high school, I was a part of the cross-country team, the tennis team. So I did have a team aspect that I was a part of, but I still would not hang out with a lot of people. Um, I would still be nice to every group. I would go to a sporting events by myself, and then the parties and all, I wouldn't get invited to, the dances. But um, I did get invited to prom, and the way I got to go to prom with a cheerleader, she was a cheerleader, is they had a, a thing in the assembly, the football players, which I knew, because I was always good at the games and all, and then once in a while... I would know where they they like to go to pizza after where there's this pizza spot. And I would just go there, knowing that they would probably be there, most of them. So, and they did invite me to one party once. That was fun. Um, so, I would, we went to the auditorium. That was a great experience that I would never forget. I didn't know this girl. It was like, like a blind date. And she was part of the cheering squad, so... It was a fun time, because otherwise it wouldn't have gone, to be honest, but it was a good time. And then we go to the best time of my life, college. College people are very open and accepting. I didn't know, first I, I was like, people were like, you're never going to go to college. I was like, so I'll just accept it, I'll never go to college. And then all of a sudden... I went to Montgomery County Community College. So first, I wanted to go into the food service industry because my dad was in the food business, uh, more of the business side. So I worked in a restaurant, you know, did it. It wasn't for me. You know, I liked it, but in the end, it wasn't for me. So I'm glad I tried it. And then I found out this advisor said there's a college called Your College, and I was like, uh, you know, it looked good. So we're like, okay, we'll visit it. It's an hour and a half away, uh, depending on traffic. But So I went there, you know, I transferred mid-semester. So everybody was already in there for a semester. I didn't know how I was going to get involved, what I was going to do. And I came in, I had a great roommate, we still talk to this day, and I got involved, I was the basketball manager, I was very involved in the Hillel, which is a Jewish organization, which there wasn't many Jews up there to begin with, so it was very tight, it was like 10, 15 members, very small, now they actually have a whole house, 
off campus, which is which is cool. See the progression of that. And I was part of Best Buddies too, um, which they're still a part of today, uh, locally. And the basketball manager thing was great. I got to go to all of the uh, basketball parties afterward. I stayed at their house off campus. And maybe put myself out there and travel. I would have to keep the book because I was a sports guy. And I did some recording of the videoing with the practicing and of the games. So I really put myself out there. I became close with the other managers and members on the team. And when they saw me around campus, they would know who I was. So I got a good reputation at college. Um, I had a, a college, great college experience. I lived with a lot of different multicultural people, expand my horizon to different cultures. Um, so I did graduate with a 3.0 with the Recreation and Leisure Administration degree. And I'm very proud to say that I'm still doing my recreation background today. Um, helping out doing recreation skills to individuals with disabilities. And I plan to continue that in the future. So now I want to touch into going from college to the work world. Real life stuff, you know, paying bills, keeping a budget. Not, not fun, not easy. So thankfully to my parents, who have always guided me and supported me, they set up for me what is called a special need trust fund. Now, the guardian will be my sister. And I forgot to mention how in high school and throughout the years, we didn't have the best of relationship. I would always be jealous of her because she was more popular than me. And... She would always have the boyfriends, and I would be like, well, why can't you introduce me to your girlfriends? She would just say, oh, they're not for you. So I would say, well, but still, why? You know, you want to have that good relationship with your, with your brother. You want to see him succeed. You know his struggles. He just kept giving the same excuse over and over again, so I finally stopped asking. And over the years after that, you know, we'd have our arguments, but now as, you know, as an adult, um, we've become closer. Now let's, let's go back to the years after college. So the years after college, I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do in recreation. I knew it would want to be in a community setting at JCC, YMCA, Parks and Rec Department. It was very hard finding a job. So I'm like, okay, what can I just have a job that's decent money? So it was these one-on-one -on -one school jobs through these agencies. Now I must tell you, I've been in a lot of agencies throughout the years, and some of them were good, some of them were bad. And some of them I've had to drive to schools 30, 45 minutes away. And it would be more in gas today. 
and even back then. But it gave me good experience that I cherish today. So the one thing about me is I'm always constantly thinking of other things to do or not satisfied with being in the moment. That's part of the disability. So that's why I've had so many jobs throughout the years. But the main jobs were the schools and then like a part-time job. So the main jobs were schools and then I got for several years and then I would work at like the YMCA. That gave me the recreation experience. So then finally, the one thing about me, if I'm going to get in someplace, I'm going to get in there. You're not stopping me. So I found the YMCA was building this new building. Uh, it was like three years down the line. So I was like, I'm going to get in here. So I worked there part-time at the other ones, anyone that I could get a job in. Finally, after a couple years, I got in there. And it was the hot place to be. And, you know, me, I'm like, oh, I'm going to implement all these programs, do all these things. You're not stopping me. But that did not work out. They love me. I did a good job. Members love me. Due to things internally, I didn't feel like it was a good fit to keep going there. So I worked a couple years there, then experimented with like a recreational summer camp company that was too technology based. Then I went to a day program, which was awesome experience. Then finally, you know, I've always thinking of going back to school to be a PT, OT, um, let's see, PT, OT, and or a PE teacher. And then I started back in school. I'm like, took a couple courses. Again, went through my parents' money on things. Then I'm like, you know, my dad's like, just, just be happy what you are. You're an assistant. You're not going to be the boss. Doesn't mean you're not going to ever move up anywhere. Kind of still got me bummed out. So I was, and then I finally recognized where I, what I did, what I do best. I'm with kids. I'm good with that. So then now we're going to the journey of coming to Florida. Journey coming to Florida. I've always wanted to live somewhere. Never know what, where I wanted to be. First it was San Diego, California. Then it was Florida. I was going back and forth. And, you know, I researched these companies. I want to get into them. I contact them. Then, then, then like one part of my mind's thinking, this is too far. Then I'm never going to do this. The years just kept going by. I was doing some research online and I'm like, wow, this place is good. The Ells for Autism Foundation. 
this is everything I wanted. It, it brings recreation. It brings my school background of working in the schools. Oh, I could really thrive here. So then, me being obsessive about things, when I want something, I started researching everything about the foundation nonstop. And then I showed it to my parents. My parents thought it was a great place. And, you know, I just kept looking into it and reaching out to different people at the foundation. Finally, I talked to a program director at the foundation who was really high up on the chain. And she was like, yeah, why don't you look in? We don't have anything now, but maybe in the future. And I would search constantly on the website about jobs. And finally, I was like, you know, the best way probably would get into just volunteer in Pennsylvania. And I would just, you know, meet the people and just, you know, help her out and, you know, help with um, having them stay on task. It's very informal and casual, but just to get to know the individuals and the people at Els. And then, then I, then I contacted with the program director, connected with the program director again. And she said, why don't you look into working at the school? So I contacted the assistant principal and we were talking and then she said we were hiring. And then my parents looked into, uh, 12 different places down here, which was crazy. And finally, we had to stay in a hotel for uh, 12 days until it was ready. And we finally settled on Palm Beach Gardens. And that, so they visited the places before with me not even visiting this place. I never heard of it. I didn't know anything about the area. I just knew that the foundation was close to this area. And now it's great. Um, it's, a, it's a dream come true. I love and I also wanted to escape the cold. I love it down here. There's so much to do. I'm I'm getting I'm getting involved in um, disability speaking, uh, being an advocate, the foundation, different different best buddies, different other different disability organizations down here. Also, I used to do a lot of tennis up in Pennsylvania. I'm playing deck tennis learning pickleball there's doing more outdoor sports which i'm very i'm a recreation guy so i'm always you know moving uh physical fitness and health and wellness so it's 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 an amazing place and i never feel bored which is good and you got the beach and the pool and you can't go wrong even though it gets the heat gets intense i'm used to it now um yeah it's great I'm just trying to keep that positivity and spread it to as many individuals with disabilities as I can.
So Ryan, it's it was really great, at particularly hearing kind of like the how it was growing up for you and and kind of the different hurdles that you had to, you know, face that were different from most of the typical hurdles that, you know, teens and, and kids kind of face. What was it like or how do you feel it was like for like your parents? Like what are the things that they had to kind of uh give up or kind of adjust to with your diagnosis? Great question. Uh, my parents put in a lot of time and energy. They had to give up a lot of their weekends. I was like their best friend. Uh, they had other friends, obviously, but I was, I just took up a lot of their time. They had to go to therapists. They had to dish out a lot of money. And because I was always wanting things and never satisfied. And I get like that sometimes now, too. I got to like, the impulsivity I got to cut back on. And it's, it's hard to temptation when there's a lot out there in the world and you can't have it all. So it's that's part of budgeting. That's part of money management. Those are the life skills that I feel like are overlooked by a lot of people. And my dad's really good at budgeting. Um, he He controls my finances. But... I will time to time look at it uh, with the credit card bill and he'll, he'll explain to me things at, on my level. It's hard having a disability and being really impulsive. Um, you're not really patient with the person that you're talking to. And sometimes we, we butt heads a lot going back and forth with me being very impulsive and he's just trying to tell me something. So yeah, we've, we've had our, our arguments throughout the years. We still do. But I know it's in the best interest and my best interest too. That's just the, that's just the way he is and he wants the best for me. So uh, my mom's a little softer than my dad. But Still, she wants the best for me. Where I would be, what time, who I was with. Uh, I wasn't a bad kid. I didn't get in trouble. But they're very, like, sheltering. Because I have the disability, I did get taken advantage of a lot, too. And they don't want to see that happen today. So they're very protective uh, with everything. But I know it's in the best part, like I said, but it's just sometimes hard to deal with. I can imagine. I kind of smiled when you mentioned the budgeting because I was like, oh, yeah, um, that I think we're we're pretty we're kind of close to the same age. And I know this is a common thing that pops up in my whole age group of like we weren't really taught how to do any of this. And so it's it's you know, you're not alone on that. Like all of us are kind of having to trial by fire basically on how to learn how to budget and learning about credit cards and debt and taxes and all of this stuff it wasn't stuff we were really kind of kind of taught but um thankfully you know we have a bunch of different resources and you sound like you may you know because you you're going through that now you're probably going to eventually become a resource like that to others with disabilities who may be coming out into the world independent and don't know how to do those things because i know that's a and I think you'll agree that's a big issue with adults coming, you know, adults with disabilities coming into 
the, as you put it, like the real world and not being prepared. Have you seen a lot of uh, folks with, with disabilities in the actual disability field, or do you think that's an area that needs to be improved, having more uh, self-advocates basically more involved in, like, the prov- the provider side? I have none. We need more self-advocates. That's why I'm trying to be um, one of the top self-advocates. Um, I really have pride in the making of the mission. Not to be cocky or anything, I just think, have a lot. I know a lot. some other people have a lot, but that's basically driving me every day. Uh, the work that I do. So it's like a mission for me to just try to sell it. I'm not a salesman. Um, I don't intend to be, but I'm just trying to just do the best I can to make the world a better place. So that people understand not everybody can work in the field working with people with disabilities and having a disability. But if you get the people that do, they can have the real compassion and they can have the real, they want to learn. Some people you just throw in this field and they, okay, paycheck or um, like I observed in some group homes when I had to go in there, they just get these people that don't have the right quality training. They don't want to be there. They're just there for a paycheck and it's, it's sad because the parents are entrusting the care, the quality of care that they pay for through the agency. And if they would have only known some of these places of what they're doing to these individuals, um, it's not pretty. Not not all not all agencies. I would say just the ones I did observe were not were not good. And I, I hear a lot of these stories. You know, you always hear some negative stories, but then there's always positive stories. But for the majority of uh, clients, families who I've dealt with over the years, they do not like the, they didn't have a good experience with it. And any uh, words of uh, advice uh, that you would give to providers and parents of a child with a disability? Yes. So the first thing is, I would say that 
every child has a right, a disability without a disability, to get the right type of services that they are allowed to have. Now, I know that may vary by states, different states, which that's a whole other issue about the state rights. Um, certain families move from different parts of the country, like a lot of people move down here because of the Owls for Autism Foundation, because it's a very one-of-a-kind, rare, rare place. And I feel like there needs to be more, more set in stone of if you think you see symptoms experienced with your child, you should have them tested earlier than later. And the earlier you detect a diagnosis, the earlier you can get help and receive the services. Now, not to say that the services will come right away, but you'll be ahead of the game earlier than the, the next person. And it is it's just kind of like a game. Um, once Once you hit the 21, then it's like... What do you do? Do you go to a day program? Do you get them a job? And how do you get them a job? What agency do you use? So it's all strategy. The way I look at it, it's like puzzle pieces and you're just putting them all together. You're fitting to make the puzzle. So the earlier the better. Get them tested. Even if it's not diagnosed. Just get them tested. Um, I know it could be expensive. You might not have insurance, but hey, it's it's your child. You know, I would do anything for if I had a kid, like my parents did. They set me up right. Um, they led me on a path of success that I'm doing well on, and they're still helping me out. So nothing's wrong with help. At first, I was re reluctant to. I didn't want help. I was stubborn. I still get something like that, but impulsivity sometimes gets to them. But come to realize help is okay when you don't ask for help. Then, then you shut down. I break down, and sometimes, sometimes failure is good to do it on your own. But if it's a big decision, then you would go. Then I go to my parents. So if you want to look at, for more information, go to nvld.org. Also, you can look me up on nvld and type in Ryan Lundy after that. I am on LinkedIn at Ryan Lundy. And, or you could email me at rhlundy85 at gmail.com. I'm happy to answer anybody's questions, to be any on anybody's podcast. Also, happy to do any speaking engagements. If anybody knows anybody connected to any disability organizations, colleges, universities, you name it, I'll be happy to tell my story and to share my advice.
I would like to thank my guest, Ryan, for coming on today and sharing his story and giving, I think, a lot of insight into what the entire, basically the whole life cycle is like when you have a disability and the highs and the lows of it. Again, he gave his contact information. Feel free to reach out with him, to him if you want to have him possibly as a speaker, like he said, on your podcast, on your site, on your lives, or if you you know, are a parent out there and are kind of struggling yourself and not quite sure what to do about your child with a disability. He's a great resource. So that wraps up this episode of Spark Up. The next episode, we'll be talking to a mother of autistic twins and looking at her journey, how she went through getting a diagnosis and how she's kind of overcome a lot of the struggles and hurdles that included racism and lack of access to services and how she kind of navigated through that. I'm really looking forward to that conversation as well. If you want to reach out to me, if you have questions, if you have ideas for future episodes, you can reach me and my business on Spark Guidance on the website at www.sparcguidance.com. You can reach me on Instagram at Spark Guidance, same spelling, or you can shoot me an email at angel, A-N-G-E-L-W at sparkguidance.com. Again, thank you so much for listening in. We will see you next time. And remember, be blessed. Don't be stressed. Bye.